0: Alright guys, welcome to today's show, and joining me on the show today is Erin Merrill. Now, Erin is probably one of the first people to be on the podcast where I might not get all of her accolades in the intro. I mean, she writes for Northwood's Sporting Journal, she's a senior writer for Drury Outdoors DeerCast, is the director of business operations at Blood Origins, sits on the board for the New England Outdoor Writers Association. That's just a couple of them. It goes on and on and on. But I'm really excited to talk to her because she hunts up in Maine and she accomplished something very few people probably ever have, which is the Grand Slam taking a moose, a bear, a turkey, and a deer all in the same calendar year. And so I'm excited to dive into this one. We've got a lot to talk about and there are going to be a lot of awesome stories of success. So let's jump into this one with Aaron. Like, he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today, I've got Erin Merrill. Now, she has accomplished one of the many slams in north america that you can do and i'm really excited to hear about it so Aaron, thanks for hopping on the show with me
1: oh absolutely i'm happy to be here
0: uh before we jump in why don't you share with the listeners a little bit about yourself maybe some hunting history and then we're going to dive into the meat of this and hear all about that incredible season
1: my slam um so i grew up with my dad hunting i didn't start hunting until i was 20. And even then I was sort of like in charge of carrying around a set of antlers and he carried the, the rifle and I followed him through the woods and um, I rattled in a small buck for him and he shot it. And I sometimes wonder if he had known what sort of trajectory that was going to send me on, if he would have just let the deer go, because it I, we got hooked, I got hooked and we've built four or five tree stands that are, you know, four by five, four by six and, um, have lots of tree seats, got lots of cameras out. So it's just, it's sort of sent me on a whole different path than I think we anticipated. And he has stuck to whitetail hunting, whereas I have branched off into bear and moose and trapping and deer and just all the things. So it's, you know, I wish I had started earlier, but I think because I started at 20, I have a different appreciation for it. Yeah. Um, And now I have two children of my own and just understanding how important it is to have that organic meat and be able to say, well, I know exactly how that animal was harvested because I was the one that did it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Man, that is so cool. I I love hearing about like the adult onset hunters and how that all comes about because for me, it it was a different story. You know, I grew up going out in the woods with my parents, Mm -hmm. but that love for traveling or exploring new types of hunting opportunities started around that same time. Like people started inviting me to do things like frog gigging or rabbit hunting. And I'm like, sure, why not? And then one by one, I'm like, everything hunting is amazing. This is awesome. Like I'm going to do it all.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly.
0: So from that point, I mean, how quickly did you start exploring other hunting opportunities and how long did you stay like as a whitetail hunter? I guess? Yeah.
1: So I have to do math. I'm not going to do math. Um, in 2014, Maine had its second bear referendum and the Humane Society tried to take away all bear hunting. And right now, Maine, I believe, is the only state that allows you to bait, trap, hound, and still hunt bear. And so our season, we're in the baiting season right now. Um, You can set bait. Bait starts at the end of August, and then it runs really until the end of November. In terms of if you see them out in the woods during deer season, you can shoot them. So as an outdoor writer, I wanted to be authentic in how I was writing about the referendum. So... I organized, a gr- I was living in Southern Maine and I didn't want us to be left out because there were hunters in Portland or South of Portland. And so often that sort of just gets written off and I wanted us to be represented. So I organized a group of us to get together. And one of the people that attended offered to take me out and teach me how to bait. It was disgusting. And I've never eaten any of those sweets since, you know, my little tasty cakes and all that good stuff. Um, but I learned how I placed bait. I sat over bait. I helped with the stands. I did the whole thing and, um, didn't see a bear. So I reached out to another guide who, um, had like a one day availability for a hound hunt. And I was like, perfect. I'll go and learn about this method as well. And I told Tim right up front, I don't need to shoot a bear. If it means, you know, the dogs get a cut on their, like, I don't need that. Yeah. Cause I know, you know, the bears will fight back and it was like the perfect October morning and it was crisp and cool and like just picturesque. And I remember we let the dogs out of the truck and they went from just like sniffing around and it was like a switch went off and they started, they, the whole bark changed, their demeanor changed and they took off. And so like, we're watching them on the GPS and they're running up through the mountains and we're sort of chasing them. And I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> what does <is> this mean? <laughs> what, what, what's, what's happening? So finally, Tim looks at me and he was like, they got you a bear. I'm like, how do you know this? And he's like, well, this dog is, you know, 20 feet back, which means he's looking up at the bear in the tree. These two were 20 feet ahead. So they've got to be at the base of the tree and let's go. So we hike up this mountain and it's me and Tim. It was, uh, it was during the holiday weekend in October. So there were a couple other friends that had tagged along and Tim and I are hiking and we're hiking and he looks up at the bear and he's like, that's a really good bear. I'm like, okay. And so like, then the friends start coming up and like, that's a really good, that's a really good bear. And so I'm like, okay, like I can do this. And I get in position and I look up and I find the shoulder and I shoot. And I just remember the bear sort of letting go from the tree and fall. It was like every, all the sound disappeared. And I just watched the bear fall. And up until that point, I had I I'd seen bear, but I'd never gotten up close and personal. And I'd never hunted them before. So he lands on the ground. And my dad had said, if I shot one, he would pay to get it done. So we walk up to it. And Tim is just like, oh, my God, this is huge. <laughs> so he figured it was like 350 pounds. And ended up being 457. Oh, my god. Which is gosh. just massive for Maine. And so I have a huge rug (laughs) that I got done. It's six foot four. And um, I'm like, well, I never have to shoot a big bear again. Like I can be happy with, you know, the 200 pound bears. Uh, But that was my first bear hunt. And I was just beside myself after that.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. What, what, What was that feeling like going from, you know, going into it saying, you know, if the dog's you know, get in an altercation or whatever, like, I don't have to shoot a bear if it means anything for the dogs. Yeah. Going into it with the mindset, like, Hey, it might not happen to all of a sudden, like, what was the moment where you knew I'm going to shoot this bear? And like, I'm really fired up about it.
1: When, when he started like tying back the dogs and they're like, everyone's sort of looking at me and waiting for me to do it. Then it's like, there's no turning back. Like, okay, he's up the tree. He's staying there. I can I can make this an ethical shot and we're good to go yeah so it was it was phenomenal
0: that's amazing have you have you since uh had a desire to go any and do any other type of hound hunt like mountain lion or bobcat or anything like that
1: um I would love to do a bobcat I think um and we have them here I also think it'd be fun to trap them myself yeah um so I don't know. It's just, it was so incredible watching them work as you know, cause it's not you doing the work. It's this dog that you or dogs that you've put all this time and effort into. Um, and so I was sort of joking that the dogs eat better than I do. They're probably healthier with the vitamins and stuff that you know, exercise more than I do. Um, so it's just, it's that appreciation for the work that they put into it as much as me just sort of schlepping up a mountain and, and shooting the bear. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we definitely enjoyed all the meat.
0: Yeah, I I love the aspect of like using a dog as a tool to get a job done. Yeah. And especially when the dogs just love it. Like you can tell right. they're ready to go. It, you let them out of the box and they're fired yeah. up and they're going to be more excited the entire time than you are. Right. And, and they know that
1: it's a job. You know, yeah. they start, like going from just sniffing around to like, boom, we're working.
0: Yeah, it's like, it's like that bell rings, like, all right, guys, get to work. And all of a sudden (laughs) it's on, right? Uh, I got to do it. mountain lion hunting. I didn't have any encounters with mountain lions, but just watching the dogs work and hearing the different barks were like, by the end of the week, there were 10 dogs. I could name every dog. Mm -hmm. I could probably get six of the dogs barks, right? If we heard them up the mountain, I'm like, right. okay, that's Zeus. Yep. That's definitely Zeus. Yeah uh that side of it's so cool and it it made me understand why some of these houndsmen and women they don't even hunt anymore like they just do it to work the dogs they never pull the trigger they couldn't care less about killing a bear a mountain lion a bobcat any of it and it's all about the dogs for them Mm
1: -hmm. which going
0: into it I was like I don't get that like I'm a hunter like I want to hunt but then once you start watching them actually in their habitat it's amazing
1: it's a whole new appreciation yeah Yeah.
0: so from from the bear Where did it go after that? I mean, was it, was it really just because of the article or did you have a desire to do that before the article?
1: I didn't. I actually remember, so it was 2014. So it was uh, 2004 was the first referendum. And I remember seeing ads on TV and just thinking, why would anyone ever want to shoot a bear? you know, and then fast forward 10 years later and I'm shooting one. And then it's like, okay, where's my next hunt? Where can I go and shoot more bear? Um, And I I did another hound hunt, uh, 2018, um, and and was successful. And it was sort of the same case. The guide that I went out with had friends from New York, and so they were they needed to run their dogs more. And it just so happened that they were running their dogs the week that I was looking for a hunt. And so Bill said, you know, come on up. You're, you you know, if the dogs get one, great you can shoot it if not they just need to, to work yeah and so i was the beneficiary of that hunt as well so it was pretty much whitetail and then bears
0: nice where where did your hunting progress after that point did you start looking at doing different species or maybe different weapons i know that that it, it seems like that's kind of the two directions people go with it right yeah they start with a the rifle they almost digress but the difficulty advances. And so they drop down to a crossbow or a, a compound bow, or they start pursuing other types of animals. What was it like for you?
1: Um, it's sort I've sort of maintained it's, I mean, I would love, I want to get a crossbow. It's also like a mental thing, which I've realized where I'm, I'm really good with my rifle. I know that I when I put crosshairs on an animal I'm going to shoot it, it's going to die. So for me it's a mental switch of I can use a bow or a crossbow but am I going to be able to have like that instant I won't be able to have that instantaneous kill. So figuring out what does that look like and just getting myself to the point where I'm comfortable enough to go do that. Um yeah, so that that's sort of where I am cuz you also it's interesting to think about women in the outdoors and hunting because so many of us, once we have kids, we don't go hunting anymore or we don't go hunting as much because we're managing kids and sports schedules and dance schedules and all these other things. Yeah. So for me, I'm, I I make a point of whitetail hunting and trying to go out bear hunting and then everything else, if I can fit it in.
0: Okay. When when did you decide, hey, I'm going to put in for a moose tag? I mean, because that that's a huge leap from bear and whitetail. right? And I feel like when people get really serious about hunting, they start thinking about those like trophy those animals that yeah. you have to draw for.
1: Um, because the state only gives out like 3,500 average permits a year, um, you basically need to start putting in as soon as you get your license. Um, so I think I had 21 points going into this, into the year. Um, initially I could buy multiple chances or multiple points, but then they changed the system. So resident hunters could only do one, one a year okay. and then they accumulate. So I, when did I, I think I started putting it in probably 15 years ago and you Jeez. just, you get to the point where you're doing it just to do it because you don't want to lose those points that you've accumulated you hope that you see your name drawn, but you're not holding out so much hope that, you know, it's, it doesn't crush you when you don't see your name.
0: Yeah. I don't get excited for a whole lot. I don't like, I'm not the guy who always thinks my football team's going to win the Super Bowl. I don't spend a ton of money on lottery tickets. I I don't feel like I'm that lucky. But the one thing where I get my hopes up every year is big game season, like trying to draw some of those tags. Yeah. And you know, you hear the freak stories of, a 16 year old kid who draws a moose with four points in Colorado. And you're like, man, can that be me?
1: Right. Right. Or like, we'll have people here that are drawn, like somebody in their family gets drawn every year. And you're like, how is this possible? Like what zones are you putting in for that you get drawn?
0: We, I've got a buddy who's just ridiculously lucky like that. He drew his once in a lifetime moose tag in Colorado and then didn't put in for anything the next year. The following year puts in or like tries to draw his very first time for Moose. He had like 18 points or something like that. Gets it. The next year doesn't try for anything. The following year tries his very first time for Mountain Goat. Gets that. And I'm like, dude, can you like I would go buy a lottery ticket at that point.
1: Right. So
0: are we going for Bighorn in two years? Because that's kind of the trajectory we're on um for me I can't even draw like the really easy basic units I like <laughs> oh it only takes one point I'm like all right I'm gonna put in for this and then it comes back unsuccessful so
1: right right well and I think it you know it's interesting you talk about like the progression I would love to know like how many people how many hunters have a sheep and it might like on their list they might never achieve it but they they gotta have you know the sheep is always there I yeah. would love to go to Alaska and shoot a sheep
0: yeah the sheep is it's exciting to me. I like hearing what everyone loves to eat, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh man, how good is it? I've heard mountain lions really good and that yeah, surprised me. Too. And so I'm like, I really want to try it. I've tried bear. Moose is so far my favorite. I haven't had anything that tastes like moose, um, but sheep I haven't really heard anything of. Uh, I, In fact, I quit putting in for my mountain goat tag because I helped my buddy get his mountain goat yeah. and we cooked up the backstraps And it was some of the worst meat I had ever eaten. And I was like, that's on you. He's like, oh, I'm going to eat the whole thing. I was like, I've officially done the hunt. I didn't pull the trigger, but I don't care. Like I was part of it. But because the meat didn't taste good, I'm like, Uh, I'm not going to spend all that time and energy trying to eat it.
1: And goats usually pretty good.
0: Yeah. And it could be, I mean, I really don't know. There's a lot of factors that probably came into play. It was one of the toughest animals I've ever seen, like great shots on his part but it just kept on pushing and pushing and pushing. We almost lost, lost it off a cliff. And so I'm sure that would have tenderized the meat pretty good, but uh, it was a, it was a wild hunt. So yeah, moose, moose though, moose heart and tongue. We fried that up. We fried back straps up right there at camp and it was unbelievable.
1: Mm -hmm. My son's favorite cut is the heart. And so the minute, the minute he knows that there's a white tail down, he basically like shows up at the door with his fork and his knife. He's nine and he's been doing this for years. Just like, Oh my God, where's the cast iron? Where's the butter? Yeah. I'm going to eat it right out of the pan. He's so funny.
0: That's so great. So is, is sheep like number one on your list?
1: It's it's like my dream hunt. Yes.
0: Okay.
1: Eventually when I'm rich and can afford to go do it, I would love to.
0: What, what type of sheep are you looking at? Like doll sheep or bighorn?
1: And I, I mean, any of yeah. <laughs> doll sheep. That would be like, yeah, that yeah, would be that, amazing. I think yeah. I, I don't know if there'd be anything else besides like after that that you would have on your list.
0: See, that and I would. people just like I like watching people end up finding their animal, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's there's the people who are diehard white till. There's people who are diehard turkey. I don't understand those people, but they're out there. Uh, Bear hunters, houndsmen. Um, But then once you get into like the sheep, I can't imagine being a sheep guy because like you're probably only going to draw, if you're really lucky, two or three in your life all across the country. And to think like (laughs) it's going to be 15 years in between my hunts, but then they get into guiding to kind of fulfill that that desire to be out there sheep hunting um but yeah i i can't imagine that i'll ever become like a moose guy or an elk guy because i just love experiencing all the different types of hunts
1: yeah it's it's funny i'm with you on the turkeys i hate turkeys like i'm not gonna get up at 5 a.m and sit in a field full of ticks to go shoot bird yeah um but i have friends that are just they're obsessed with it you know and i i work for drury outdoors with deer cast, yeah. all we do are whitetails and turkeys, but, you know, white tails. So it's amazing. It's amazing when people, like you said, find their animal and just become obsessed and become so ingrained and focused on how to improve their hunt, improve the habitat, improve, improve the animals, improve every aspect of it. And then what that means for the next hunting season. And what that means for the following hunting season and, you know, looking five years out to figure out what habitat you need to have and what crops you need to have. And, you know, all these little nuances that I, I had no idea about when I first started hunting.
0: Yeah, when when people get into hunting, it really is like, oh, I go out there with a gun and I shoot a deer. Like right. they, they it's almost a very like Neanderthal experience for people like, oh, you're just going to go be macho yeah. and shoot something. And it's like no there is so much that goes into it once you become passionate about it it's 365 24 7 it's always on your mind and i think the people who haven't experienced it yet won't understand it until they actually go out and like when you see an animal and you're like hey like I've got a deer called Valentino, right? Mm-hmm. I see him every year. I'm like, Hey, there's Valentino. And they're like, there's who? Like you name yeah. these deer before you shoot them. And I'm like, it just helps me remember who they are. Yeah. I remember different features on it. And they're like, wow, okay. This is a lot more in depth than like, you see something running, you pull the trigger and then you go and eat it. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's <laughs> as far from what hunting is exactly. as you can possibly get. Um, So you You go to this or you get drawn for this moose hunt. Yes. From there. I mean, what is preparation for a once in a lifetime moose like? I mean, did you, did you think that it was coming? Did you think it was going to happen soon? Or was it so far out there that you hadn't really prepared for it yet?
1: I hadn't prepared for it at all. So the, the drawing happens in June and, um, I was watching it. They they had it up on um, I think like Facebook Live or something and I was watching it and I saw the deputy commissioner get up and read my name and I was just like oh like you know oh my god I'm so excited and then my phone starts blowing up with people that heard my name and um, I reached out to the guy because you have to pick which zone you want to you know you rank them I want to be in this zone first then this this is my second choice third choice fourth choice so I got drawn for zone two which isn't an Allagash. So if you're looking at a map of Maine, go up to Canada and then like look back down a little bit and that's Allagash. So I called my guide that I had already said, okay, which, which zones do you want me to put in for? And I had the September hunt and he said, I'm already booked. And I had this moment of panic because oh, no. like, what do you mean you're already booked? You, t- you told me that you would do this and now I'm, I have to go up there. what, what, what am I going to do? And it just so happened that um, Wayne Bernier, who has Allagash Adventures, had shot an incredible whitetail, like just massive. And I had interviewed him for Drury Outdoors. So I call Wayne because he guides Moose and was just like, do you have any openings? Because once you hear your name, it's like this frantic free-for-all to try to get a guide, if you're going to get a guide. And like, where are you going to scout? And what all the things and so Wayne had a, an opening and I immediately was like okay great I'm in what do you <laughs> I'll throw all my money at you just yeah. like make sure dad and I have a spot so he, he you know then he has to deal with the guiding and it's about five five and a half hours from where I live to the top of Maine um, so okay so it's booked but I'm not in shape to go chase a moose <laughs> So my friend, Jeremy Kerber has fit to hunt, which is a like personalized hunting um, thing. I think he was on the podcast. Yeah. And so uh, Jeremy set up a plan for me and it involved a lot of throwing weights in my backpack and hiking up hills. And so like we were doing weight training and we were working on my arm strength. So if I had to hold a shot for a long period of time, I could, and just constantly getting my body and my legs and, you know, ready to go. And, um, I did that basically from June through, you know, early September, mid September, um, until I headed out on my hunt.
0: Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. The the training for those hunts. I mean, you don't want to be the reason that it doesn't come together, right? Like if the animals don't cooperate, they're wild animals that happens. But if you get there and then all of a sudden you can't make it that last hundred yards, like you're going to be very upset for a long time at yourself.
1: Yeah. And so like we I just wanted to be able to carry because my gun weighs seven and a half pounds. So I want to be able to carry my gun. And then if I needed to put my pack on, I needed to be able to do that because sometimes the moose are on the road and sometimes they're down in a clear cut, you know, half a mile away from the road. Yeah. So I did whatever I could to to get ready. Um in the meantime, my friend Stacy Warren, who is another outdoor writer, um Sent me a text and was like, okay, we're gonna get you a bear. Great. <laughs> so I have my trapping license. She has hers. Her husband has his. And um the season opened like September 1st, whatever that Wednesday was. Um, and like we had put out bait, we'd gotten everything ready. The season opened, I guess, a few days before trapping started, September 1st. So Stacy's husband shoots a bear the first night or the the Wednesday. So he's done. And so Stacy and I are out and we're setting traps. We sat out over there, set the trap. We have cameras out. And so she was having bear at her site. I was having bear at my site. And I have a great picture of a bear who he has reached his right paw into the trap. You see the cable around his trap. And then you see him like flick his paw and the cable comes off and he walks off. And so there's like this, oh, I'm so excited. Oh no, I'm not. And we went back up the next day. This was Thursday, the second. Um, we re baited, reset the trap, made sure it was a little extra tight, and sat out over the site. Nothing came in. It got a little chilly. We came home and um Get out of the shower. It's like ten o'clock at night, and my phone starts going off, and it's like bling, 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 bling. And I'm like, oh no! And I look, and there's a bear, and it's stuck. Like you, could, it's stuck. So I send her a text because she's getting those notifications too, and it's like, well, we got a bear. Oh my god! So gosh. we turned around. We drove an hour north, hour and a half north. And um, in Maine, you can dispatch an animal that's in a trap 24 hours a day, seven days a week. so so her husband came with us and she and I climbed up into the tree stand her husband was on the ground with a spotlight on the bear it was laying down which was great but it was looking behind its shoulder its right shoulder Stacy has the flashlight almost like near the air end of my barrel of my gun and I'm leaning over because we had moved some of the branches when we were there earlier so my like we were a hot mess trying to make sure that I had really like a really great shot and enough light bears black. It's 1230 at night. And so I just whispered to her when he moves his head, I'm going to shoot him. He did. I did done. I have been very fortunate that the three bears that I have shot, I have never heard the death moan, which is really just air leaving their body, but it sounds horrific. And I knock on wood, I have yet to hear it. So he, I mean, he was dead, like didn't move dead. So like it's like, oh my god, I just got my bear and I trapped it. Like, that's one. It was it was such a rush. As we were getting it, there were bear on the other site. And so like the cameras kept going off and we could see the bear that were all around us.
0: <laughs> oh my a gosh. little
1: surreal, a little surreal, but um just it was crazy it was fantastic and so yeah. he has a little white patch um he has a little bald spot on the back of his shoulder where um they think john actually shot him with an arrow last year but it went through all the fat and so he just has the bald spot so because i trapped him because there's some extra special markings to him um I got a I got a half mount done yeah so it was it was phenomenal
0: All right, guys, so I am constantly getting asked about the gear that I'm using, and the great news is that I've got it all listed out on Go Wild. Now, if you listen carefully, I'm going to tell you how you can get a $10 gift card to use toward picking up some new gear. Go Wild is a free social community where your photos aren't censored. They're actually encouraged, so much so that Go Wild will give you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. Now, as you earn those points, you can unlock awesome rewards like gift cards and free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Also, check this out. If you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. So go visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started. That's wild. I've never even heard of people trapping bears. Like I didn't think that was even a thing still. So the fact that you can do that and like (laughs) that you're trapping them in cable foot snares, yeah, that is, that's just wild. What, I mean, do you ever get a bear in a trap that you have to let go? What does that look like?
1: You, I mean, that's, that's the beauty of having all the trail cameras is you can see what's coming in regularly so yeah. if you if you know that there's a sow and cub, you're not gonna put a trap on that site. Um, you can only have one trap out per trapper. Okay. And you can set it. So if I mean if I only wanted to shoot like a huge bear, I could set the circumference of the trap to be relatively big. Yeah. Um, and then you you can adjust it. Um, there are minimums, but um, you you just you set it sort of to size up the size of the bear that you want, so that a smaller bear could trip it. But then, you know, shake it right off and keep going Um, because it is a cable. A lot of people, there's some education that goes along with it because it's not like the teeth traps that you see. Yep. So it's just like a sliding cable.
0: That is so crazy to me. And I mean, it's exciting, like thinking of just another way to get out there trapping it as we were talking about the progression of hunting, you know, going from rifle to bow to whatever trapping seems like it's almost at the end of the line. Like that's as cool as it gets. You have to really understand these animals. And it's like with a rifle, oh, I have to be within 300 yards of it. With right. a trap, that animal literally has to stick its paw through a really small spot. Yeah. So you have to totally understand their behavior and how they move and right. how they reach in for food or anything.
1: Yeah. So my, I, I trapped my bear with a Boston cream donut. That's what, and he's left hand, he was left paw, So whichever paw they reach in with is their dominant paw, which I think is really cool.
0: Yeah. And
1: so mine was left-handed. That's the paw that we trapped him on.
0: <laughs> you trapped a left-handed bear I with did. a Boston cream donut. I, I am Isn't also awesome? a lefty and I would fall for that trick. I would reach in for a Boston cream donut for sure. Me too. Me too. So at that point in the year you had your, so it went moose first. Is that right?
1: no bear first
0: bear first oh okay oh yeah yeah
1: and like had i known i was gonna get drawn i probably would have actually put some effort into our spring turkey hunt but i didn't because i just again turkeys and luckily in maine we have a spring and a fall turkey hunt so i knew that i basically had september october and november to get all four species and get my grand slam so there was a little additional pressure added because I didn't come into the season sort of with the Turkey. Um, but I did the bear first. Okay. So that was September 3rd is when I technically shot it. And then my moose hunt was the last week in September into October. And, um, my dad, I love him. He's my hunting buddy has his own company does land does like excavation, Very seasonal, so that when the ground freezes, you close up the gravel pit and move on. And Dad was basically like, "Okay, so we're gonna go up Sunday, shoot something Monday, and come back Monday night, right?" (laughs) Uh huh. Sure. And so we drove up to Allagash, all of our gear. Um, I had secured a butcher. I had, I think I had secured a taxidermist. Um or just sort of like let my taxidermist know, hey, if I get one, I call dibs on a slot. And um, Monday and Tuesday, my dad shot a whole lot of grouse. And on Tuesday afternoon, I was like, this is not why I came up to Allagash. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would really love to go shoot a moose. So, and I, and, and Wayne was our guide, the owner of Allagash Adventures. So he was our guide. He was, he's amazing. He was so fun and Laid back and just the stories. It was great. But I was like, okay, I, you know, I, there's a little bit of time sensitivity. We can't hunt on Sundays. So, you know, you get four days, six days. So on Wednesday, we had an additional guide with us. And like it was foggy in the morning, we went to a different location we rounded a corner and there was a small bull with two calves that sort of came up over the hill at us. And we couldn't tell if it was a bull or not. He had just sort of like sticks basically. Um, And you know, I wasn't necessarily going to shoot him anyways, but it was fun to like see the seamos. We got out and called a little bit. And as we were calling this obnoxious other hunter, Lena went revving past us. So we get back in the truck, And we turn off onto another side road. And they're all like logging roads in the middle of nowhere. And we come up to this clearing. And we can see the white trucks down to our left over the hill. And they've probably been calling. And we crest the hill. And there's a nice bull and two cows coming at us. So we jump out of the truck. We're in the road. The white truck can't see us. The moose have turned to run back to where they came from. But they're going to cross. You you can just tell that they're going to head back around across to the right side of the road and go up into the woods. So I'm like in the road, the sun's coming up. It's like a perfect main fall day. Life's going to be great. And, and like they come out into the road and they stop. And I put my crosshairs on the bull and I squeeze my trigger and nothing happens. And in my head, I can't figure out why, because I'm pushing my safety forward and I'm squeezing the trigger and I'm like, I, I can't figure out why nothing is working. I no. know I have a bullet in there and the, the last cow starts walking and they all go into the woods. Oh no. And I just like, I, I don't even know how I didn't just start sobbing because I was like, that's it. That's it. That was my chance. I'm done. Like the guide's off the hook because they gave me the opportunity. What am How how I let dad down because he wanted to go back to work. You know, it's Wednesday. Our, our hunt's like half over. I blew it. And there's a part of me that's like, I'm a female hunter. I need, like if anything, I need to prove that I can do it so that it's not like, Oh, you're a woman. You got emotional, you know, yeah. just like, ah, so I'm in shock. I can't figure out what happened. Like, I, and I still don't know if I just, I couldn't figure out if I got my safety halfway, which I've never done before. Yeah. Either way, like I had to pull myself together and it was the first time in the 18, 19 years that I've been, I had been hunting that i like, had to figure out how was I going to come to terms with the fact that I had blown my hunt. How was I gonna go back as a as a writer and talk about like, well, I had this chance and I just totally blew it. I couldn't make it happen. And I mean ugh, just awful. Yeah. And so we we kept hunting the rest of the day because what else are you gonna do? Thursday, it was rainy, and we came upon a guy that had shot the first little moose that we had seen the day before in the same spot. Um okay, fine. You're good. We come up to the spot where the other, i had seen the other moose and there's a dad and a son and a um, grandfather. And they had shot that ball that I didn't shoot. Oh, no. And they said, Oh, he was, he was standing right there. He just, it was great and wonderful. And so as we drove by, I looked, I looked out my window and I was like, Oh, he's too small anyway. Cause I just, I couldn't think of what I just, I still was having a hard time like, how did I blow this? Yeah. So we stood out in the rain all day, Thursday, Friday, there was another group in camp that had shot a bull uh, early afternoon and said, you know, there's another bull with this one. So, you know, bring Aaron out and we'll see if we can try to find it. So we went out, we were walking back and forth. It's Friday. We're exhausted. Um, and dad says, you know, I'm going to call it like Wednesday or Saturday at 11, we're done. It's going to take us five hours to get home. I got to go back to work. Like we have to be done. Okay. So Friday we hunt and we're hunting, we're hunting, we're hunting, and nothing. So Saturday morning, like we are up at the crack of dawn. We're out in the woods. We're driving. We think we might see some moose, but we're not sure if they're stumps because that's everything in the north woods it's like a stump or a moose and it it turns out to be two moose but they run off we think they're cows like they're just too far away and we're going down all these side areas and I had onyx on even though there was no cell signal but I could track where we had been and which trails and where we were and so Wayne said do you want to go anywhere else and I said let's just go to where they had shot that bull see if there's anything out there and I thought we were just going to sort of drive by to just sort of glass it and be done. Yep. But he drove down along the edge of the clearing where they had shot it. And there was a patch of woods to the left. And then it opened up into another clear cut. And on the right, it was all clear cut. And so I'm in the passenger side. and I'm just like watching, looking for anything that's black. And all of a sudden, Wayne slams on the brakes and he yells, bull, Ball! Ball!" And I joke that dad and I are like Yosemite Sam. And we just start going pew, 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 pew. (laughs) But really (laughs) dad went to the back. I went to the front of the truck and the bull is like halfway out into this clear cut. And so I shoot, I see it sort of glazed like the top of his hump. Dad shoots, I shoot again and I see him hunch. And so I'm like, okay, I know that's a good shot. Dad shot again. And then he, he like wandered into the woods a little bit and Wayne takes off. Like the guy doesn't have a sidearm or a knife or anything on him and he's running. (laughs) So dad and I are running after him. We, we have our rifles and he start, Wayne starts jumping up and down. He takes his hat off. He's like, I hear lungs. I hear lungs. And there's this amazing bull dead, you know, 10 feet from the edge of the woods. Oh my um, goodness. and so then it's like this whole other emotion of like, oh my God, we did it. What just happened? Because it was like a thirty second like six days and then 30 seconds. Boom. Done. Yeah. So it was a 206 yard shot from the world to where the moose was, um, 47 inch spread.
0: Jeez.
1: And so then Wayne, like we gutted him. A couple of the other guides came and helped us and, um, got him loaded up, took him back to camp, took him to the weight station and he was 986 pounds dressed. So he was probably at least 1200 on the hoof. seven and a half years old. So like in his prime, fantastic main moose, just, I mean, amazing. Just absolutely amazing.
0: That is a dream. I mean, <laughs> moose is moose is number one on my bucket list. I wanna yeah. I wanna shoot a moose. I mean, I would take a moose anywhere. If I could draw a moose tag anywhere, I would. But I want to shoot an Alaskan moose up in yeah. the Yukon, like with my right. bow. Nobody around. I don't want to see any sign of people for a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the size of them and like oh, yeah. the feat of getting that out, the fact that you guys got it out whole. Yeah, is <laughs> that blows my mind because like we're carrying quarters from my buddy's moose and it was everything we could do just to get one leg out without boning it out first. Yeah, and we only had I think we had 300 yards from where we had first seen it mm-hmm. and parked the truck. And I know people go way back in.
1: Right, right.
0: And pull these moose out.
1: It was phenomenal because they basically they knew I was going to get it mounted. So that, that changed how they dragged him out. They pulled him out of the woods into the clearing and then they put it around his antlers and then pulled him. And because it was wet from having rained all day Thursday, he just sort of like floated across all of the blowdowns and stuff. And they had it, um, going from the trailer across the trailer up to a truck. And so the truck drove and sort of pulled the moose out and onto the trailer. I mean, it was slick. It was amazing.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that's I why guess you hire you... a
1: guide so they can do that stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. Once, once you do it enough times, you find the smart way to do it. Yeah. Um, what, so you said it was 986 pounds dress. Yep. yep. Do you know how much weight in meat you got out of it?
1: Over 400 pounds.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: It was so much. So before one of my things to do to prep was I had to buy a chest freezer and I have two of them already. But, um, I figured if I'm going to get a moose, I need another one. And the only one because of COVID that they had was 21 cubic feet or square feet. Um, and so it's monstrous. However, my moose almost filled the whole thing up. I mean, it was just, I have a Highlander and every space except for where I was driving had boxes of meat. <laughs> It was, it was fantastic. (laughs) Oh, that's,
0: that's a great feeling. Like when you secure meat for, you know, a year or more, I'm, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum right now. I just ran out of my last deer and I'm like, I've got, well, about 15 days before I'm actually out hunting anything else. Mm -hmm. And so I'm starting to get nervous, but luckily this year, I think I can get about two years worth of meat stocked up if I play it right. We'll see so the moose happens i mean insane hunt yeah like you said lots of lots of emotion like what happened this has taken so many days and then 30 seconds it's over yeah um from that point was it fall turkey then that you had to fill yeah was so was that the final animal
1: no i had to get a deer
0: oh yeah deer still
1: yeah so it was like the two really sort of like the two hardest ones we're we're done. Um Maine has so many turkeys, so many turkeys, that um the zone that I hunt in, you can kill five of them in the fall and two in the spring.
0: Jeez.
1: Yeah. Come to Maine if you want to hunt turkey because they're all over the place. Um and so I shot a hen with you know, towards the end of the season. Yeah. Um, like anticlimactic. I don't like them. I just know (laughs) you're just like, here you are in the woods. I need to shoot you done. Yeah. Um, and we kept the breast out of it. We don't have to tag them. So it was just, you know, anticlimactic really.
0: Yeah. Um, just check it off the list. Oh, well, it'll still taste good, but
1: right. And I, I mean, I did the, I have the the fan up in my office. Um, but then it was like, dear, and it's one of those things where we have a lot of deer. I had a doe tag, so I could shoot anything. But I was also really cautious about, like, am I overly confident? Like, do I, I don't want to get my hopes up and think, oh, this is going to be the easiest and, like, basically live in the woods the last week of the season. And it was the second, for residents, it opens the last Saturday in October. We have one day. So it was the following weekend. And it was the, it was a morning, I sat in a certain stand that I call the sky condo. And I heard another hunter either drive in or come in. And so I heard a a deer blow. And so I assumed that my spot was done. Like, there's no point in me sitting here. Nothing's going to come out. And I moved to another seat in the woods. And again, it was just like the perfect, it was almost so perfect for a fall hunting day that you didn't want to see anything just so you could be out in the woods all day. Yeah. And it was cold and crisp and the sun was starting to come up. And, um, the way I get up into my stand, the door is sort of off to my, like my right shoulder. I come up that way and I slide to the left and sit down and it's one that dad and I had built. And so I'm sitting there, I'm just like zoning out. Life is great. It's cold, crisp hunting. Thank God. And I hear a snap and without thinking, like I have my rifle and I turn sharply to my right and I can only go so far because the post from the stand is right there. So I'm stuck. I can't go any further behind me, but I also can't see where the deer, are, where it is. Yeah. And suddenly all I see is it's butt because its head is behind um, a tree. Doesn't matter. I don't really care what it is. It's a deer doe or buck I'm all good but then I have to like suck in my stomach and lean backward to get the butt of my rifle to come back from the corner of the, the stand and go back out the door so I can actually shoot the deer without it seeing me so it was a little like robotic action going on and I shot it ran I sent my dad a text and he, I he said okay do you see it I don't see it, but it's, it couldn't have gone too far. And as dad's walking, I hear another gunshot. And then I see another deer running and then there's another deer and it's flicking its tail. And I'm like, Oh no, like what's going on? I don't, there's, (laughs) there's so much action. What's happening. Dad shot a deer. So, so he has shot a deer. He's sort of dragging it from where he came from and he gets to me and we look, we don't have to go far again. I love my rifle. It's a 30 odd six. So my deer's right there behind some, some popples, but now, so like now we have two deer, like we both tagged out in the same morning (laughs) and as we're gutting one of them, another small buck is walking at us. And so I'm just like, dad, 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 stand up, stand up. And we stood there and just watched this deer and he walks over and he goes back over to my stand. He sniffs my bag. And then he's, he gets to the point where he can kind of wind us. And so then he like slowly makes his way back down to where he came from. Um, and so there's a great picture of me on, on the website and on my social media of like stupid grin on my face, all orange. You can see my stand behind me. And it's like, I did it. Oh my God, I did it. (laughs) So it was, I mean, it was a five, It's not that one. I have a five, it's a five pointer. Um. But yeah, it was phenomenal. And then so it was like these highs, these lows, the completely different terrains of up and Allagash. I'm in the Western mountains for my bear. And then make it all happen.
0: Gosh, I can't imagine. I mean, that is, that's a season, like the season of a lifetime right there. Yeah. And what did it look like walking away from that season? You're like, okay, I I create or I completed this slam.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: what am I going to do next year? Like, am right. I going to be fulfilled in my next season?
1: <laughs> well, and it's, it it's actually been really interesting. So I didn't Turkey hunt again this spring. Um, And part of me, part of me is a little burnt out or I, I was, I guess, because it's like, I put in so much time and so many hours and so many dollars into making this happen. Maybe I don't like, I don't need to go turkey hunting. Maybe I don't want to go do this. Maybe I, you know, I'm just going to go sit in my stand and if anything happens for a deer, great. And if not, that's okay too. But over the past few weeks, as we've been gearing up and doing more stuff with like deer cast for Drew Outdoors, yeah, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm getting ready. Like I'm getting the bug again, but it was hard because you put so much time and effort and emotions into it that you're just, you have to sort of come down from it. But, th- but you're right. Then it's like, okay, well now what, you know, I'm I'm not going to put in for a moose for a while. I'll go bear hunting, but yeah. yeah,
0: we, I mean, I've had some really killer seasons in the past, but I mean, for me, I, I'm afraid of what that feeling is going to be like after I go and do my dream hunt, after I yeah. go up to Alaska and I experience like an Alaskan moose hunt where I actually get to let an arrow fly or pull the trigger or whatever. Right. Um, because I do hear about people that they're like, it's, it's the feeling of the day after deer season ends times a hundred.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: Like, it's just like this weird, almost depression, but I look forward to everything. Like I get so excited about shooting doves on September 1st or Mm -hmm. frog gigging that I know, you know, after it wears off or if nothing else, we'll just go back and watch the video of it or look at the pictures again to get my fix. But, um, yeah, I, I've always been curious about that. Like a big, almost hunt of a lifetime, how that feels for the person afterwards.
1: Yep. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you're a little, a little burnt out, a little like what's next. Um, for me, the, I need to shoot an eight point. So in Maine and new England, we rank deer based on points, not on inches for their antlers. Okay. So it's always interesting when I, when I interview folks and they're like, oh, you know, I shot this amazing 180, 190, 200. And so I'm like, I I can't wrap my mind around what that looks like because I'm like, oh, is that an eight pointer? Like, are you thinking body mass? Because that's, that's how we rank them is we want a nice big buck. So in that aspect, it's a little interesting when I have my interviews and when I talk to folks that hunt out west. Um, I need to get an eight point buck. I have shot everything up, including a 10 pointer. I need an eight. So that's sort of like what I'm obsessing about now is like, maybe I don't need to shoot. We have a different system this year where you can actually, potentially, if you get a doe tag, shoot two deer. Typically it's only been one. Okay. So I'm hoping if I get a doe tag, I could shoot a doe and then like save my buck tag for a nice eight pointer. Yeah, but to meet in the freezer and still have, you know, a trophy to go after.
0: So I'm curious. Do you have like all of these European mounted, where it's like a one, a two, a three, a four, all the way up, and you just have a spot missing for an eight? Sort of. That's... Um,
1: I have certain rain So I I don't have my as I look on the wall. Um, I don't have my four point, but I have. I have my cru- my spikes, my 6, my 10. Um I have a nice 2020 20 buck that has a drop time on one side.
0: Oh, yeah. And four on
1: the other. Um So, I have lots of troth like I have lots of skulls and all sorts of good things in my office. But not an eight pointer yet.
0: Yeah. I I find it very interesting like you had said you score them based off of like how big their body is or how many <laughs> points they have. All growing up, I mean, we hunted hard. My family was big into the rifle season in Wisconsin. I had never heard anything about how many inches a deer's antlers were. Yeah. I mean, almost all my life. And then I moved down to Missouri and they're like, man, I shot a 134. And I'm like, a what? I right. like definitely didn't have 134 points or I no. would have heard about it, you know. but like, Right,
1: and you're like, 134? That's not like the biggest buck you could have gone for, but I yeah. guess it's okay, right? Because yeah, you, just, you like, just have no idea what that means in terms of the size of the antlers.
0: Yeah, no clue. And and then I see people like the Drury's and they're like, oh yeah, if you look at this picture, I mean, this guy's like a 174, maybe a 176. And I'm like, I, I'm having a hard time counting the points. I can't even imagine in my right. mind coming up with, how many inches it is and then being as accurate as those guys are on each one. And then you go out to, you go out West and they're like, Oh yeah, man, I shot a six point. Yeah. I'm like, dude, that's got 12 points on it. And they're like, yeah, but you count them by the side. And I'm like, so a six point is actually a 12 point. What if it has like five on one side and seven on the other? Oh, then it's a five by seven. And I'm like, you guys, this (laughs) just just tell me how many overall points it has. That that's a very easy, uh, metric for everybody to go off of.
1: Right. That would be much better.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate you hopping on the call with me. It's been awesome hearing the story of your progression hunting, the amazing season that you had and best of luck this season. Before we hop off though, I want to give people an opportunity to follow along with you, uh, find some of the stuff that you've written, see the pictures of that incredible season or, you know, the deer, the turkey, everything. Mm -hmm. where uh where can they go in and find all of that
1: so my website is and a strong cup of coffee and on social on facebook it's and a strong cup of coffee on instagram it is woods and coffee and you will find all the photos the write-ups the stories all that stuff there
0: that's amazing. Well, best of luck this season. It's, it's honest. I mean, like we're middle of August right now, which blows my mind. I feel like I'm very underprepared for what's about to come, but, uh, <laughs> uh, good luck this season. I'll be following along and see how you do.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much.
0: And that is going to wrap it up for today's show. What an awesome episode. I mean, talk about a serious year hunting. I've had some good years, but I think if I just got a moose, like that would be my best year ever. But then you throw in all of those other animals on top of that, it's unbelievable. So I would highly recommend going and checking out her stuff. And the link is in the description to her social platforms and where you can find the content that she creates. But if you guys aren't out there getting prepped, getting ready for season, whether it's archery season in the Midwest, or western hunting trips that maybe you've had planned for a long time or that might be your first one, like it's upon us. So hopefully you guys are geared up, ready to go, rifle sighted in, bows dialed, and you're in shape to get out there and hike those mountains or those hills or to drag a deer out. So until next time, always choose adventure and God bless.